or excuse me, we're going to be in John chapter 21, um, and then we're going to jump over to Acts uh, at the end, or once we kind of wrap this piece up, um, and then um, we'll, we'll hopefully kind of bring this study of uh, the resurrection kind of to a close, um, and then we'll um, look at kind of the, the the next time we get together, we'll look at um, how the church has viewed the resurrection throughout church history to kind of get an idea of um, how kind of the current things that we hold and believe and, 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 are, and are taught, how they've kind of uh, come to be or been shaped through church history. And our understanding has been shaped by um, those who've come before us in studying um, God's word and, and preaching God's word, word faithfully. So John chapter 21, <clears throat> um, here we're going to see uh, another account of Jesus after the resurrection, revealing himself to the believers. And just kind of as a reminder for us here, I want us to pay attention to the little things here. Um, Again, just kind of give you a heads up, we're going to see this normal Jesus who like, he doesn't appear to be floating above the sands of the beach with like, you know, bright light shining all about him, but he's a person that when they see him initially, it's like they don't recognize him, he's far off, right? Like, um, and then it's through his actions, through the things that he's done that brings back memories of experiences that they had with Jesus, that they then come to understand that this man that they see afar off on the shore is the Lord, and they, um, you know, some of them, <laughs> like one of them jumps out of the boat, swims ashore. The others are like, you're leaving us here with these fish. <laughs> so we need some help. Um, so let's kind of press on through that. So uh, after this is verse one, chapter 21 of the book of John. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. <clears throat> Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. So at this point, uh, keep in mind that they have seen the resurrected Jesus already. This is not the first time that he's revealed himself to them, um, but he has not yet um, set before them this great commission. So um, they're not being wasteful of their time. They're putting their time to work. They're going fishing. Like you can see in a, in a bit that they um, are keeping, they, like they, you know how many fish they caught. Literally know how many fish they caught. So like they're keeping a tally of this. They're going about, this is not them being lazy. This, not, this is not them um, like in, in some like state of dismay where they're like going back to the lives that they lived before or anything like that. This is literally like they've seen Jesus already. They've already experienced um, this resurrection. He was revealing himself again to them in this moment. <clears throat> um, so this is just kind of them going about living life and Jesus meeting them in that moment where they're, where they're living life. So um, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So... Um, <clears throat> If you go back, read through the Gospels, you'll see an account that's very similar to this where they're out fishing, they catch nothing, and then Jesus is like, hey, cast the net out, and they catch, um, they catch, you know, like an, 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 
a huge number of fish. The same kind of thing happens here. Verse 4, uh, just as day was breaking, so that night they fished, they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Again, like, like little details here, when they looked out and they saw, they saw a man on the seashore, right? So Jesus is a man, right? He is God, but he is put on flesh, and in the resurrection, he is flesh and bone. He looks like a man when standing afar off. So um, they didn't know that it was Jesus. Verse 5, Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved... Therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. So uh, something that I want us to kind of pull out from this is that they had experienced life with Jesus. Jesus had experienced life with them. And I don't think that it is any coincidence at all that he's presented himself to them in such a way that like where before we've seen like they can see him and he's recognizable right and he they had to have like they had to have their eyes closed when we were kind of first looking at this like it was the miraculous event for them was that they were kept from seeing him and then when that was removed they recognized him Right, and then we see Mary, where she's going, going to the tomb, um, and she's looking for Jesus. But she's not looking for Jesus in the way that she ultimately finds Jesus. Like she's looking for him in these burial clothes in the tomb, and so like when she sees out of the corner of her eye this man standing, she's not assuming that Jesus is raised from the dead. So like he looks like a normal person, looks over, she's just assuming that it's a gardener. But then when he says her name, like Mary, like it clicks. She's like turning. Rabbinah. Like she knows when she hears his voice, right? And now here we see Jesus revealing himself in, in experiences that they have had with him, right? So now this same thing, you imagine what happens here for the, for the one where it says, um, so they cast now and were able, unable to haul it in for the quantity of fish. That disciple who Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When, when, when they tried to pull the net and it is so full of fish that they cannot pull it aboard, in their minds they said, I know this. Like I've experienced this before. I know this story. There's one who does this. And he's relating to me now in experiences shared together, right? So they know that it's Jesus. And Peter is excited. Like, Peter, it, it's the Lord. And Simon, so, so, so the disciple that Jesus loved knew who it was, said who it was to Peter. And Peter, just because of the kind of guy that he is, he's not like, I'm going to like sit and what like okay let's haul this up let's get the fish on the boat and then we'll you know like get into shore and then we'll all meet jesus together peter's like nah man <laughs> y'all get the fish i'm gone right a couple of things just to kind of take away from this is there's a place for both there's a place there's a place and sometimes you we may be in either of the two states right but like let's not like disparage the one who left the others to do the work because of his zeal 
And let's not disparage the ones who were doing the work because they brought the fish in. Ultimately, they partake in the same like moment in time with Jesus, right? Um, so there's a place for both of this like like excitement and zeal that jumps and 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 swims asu- swims ashore, and also this like um, faithful obedience to working and knowing that He's going to be there when you get there, right? Um, so that you kind of get two these two types of two types of pictures um, when you when you look at the reaction to the knowledge of. Um, okay, that's Jesus on the shore. Um, Simon heard it. Was the Lord here? He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Verse 8, the other disciples came in the boat, (laughs) dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off, right? Verse 9, when they got out on the land, they saw saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. So this is not the fish that they caught. So something that I want us to note here, like a couple of times that we've seen, like it's very interesting to me, and we're actually like, I'm going to, hopefully we'll get there today, but if not, I'm just going to mention it so that you can write it down. Acts chapter 10, verse 39 through 41. Um, You're going to see in that particular run of text, like they're talking about the risen Savior, and they specifically mention that they saw him and they ate and drank with him. Like, this is after all of these events have occurred and they're recalling it in their minds and it's something significant for them to recall the fact that they saw him, he appeared to them, and they ate and drank with him. So like we've got, a, we've got occurrences of visions already that we've, or excuse me, not visions, but appearances of Jesus that we've seen already as we've been studying through this where Jesus comes and he asks them for fish um, and, or fish or bread and they provide it, he breaks it and they commune together. Um, in this account, they get to the shore and already in place is a, char- is a charcoal fire with fish laid out on it and bread. So Jesus is the one here preparing this meal. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore. (laughs) Again, like as I'm looking at this, this is just one of those things that's like, it's interesting to me. Like you jumped off the boat to swim ashore to get to Jesus. He's like, this, this guy is so full of excitement that like his buddies are on the boat with the fish. Um, and Jesus is like, Hey, y'all bring some fish. And he's like, so about doing, you know, to some extent you've got to wonder is he trying to make up for something like is it embedded in the in his mind like how like like um overzealous he was about how he would stand for jesus and then jesus is like no man like that's not how it's going to turn out and he realizes that this same jesus is like welcoming him in and like he's in some ways maybe trying to overcompensate for like this uh this failure that he knows has happened that they've not yet like had the discussion about like what's going on here so like jesus is like, hey bring some of those fish and so simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore right full of large fish 153 of them 
Oh, there were so many, the net was not torn. So again, like this kind of mirroring a similar miracle that they had experienced um, by Jesus' hand um, previously. So they recall this. They know that it's it's Jesus here. Um, So verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Um, and then we're not going to go into this um, today. Uh, I want to make sure that we kind of get this thing wrapped up. But I would encourage you to go and read kind of the, the, the rest of this where you get this interaction between Jesus and Peter and um, Jesus not like necessarily straight up bringing up to remembrance his failures here, but him kind of um, where three times that he had denied Christ, he gives him these kind of three opportunities to declare his love for him. Um, and ultimately, something to, to bring out as you kind of read through that is the appeal that he makes to his love for Jesus the ultimate appeal that he makes for him is that, like you know it like like you know that i love you right not like trust me i'm believable right which is like ultimately it's my word i said it you should know it because i'm honorable like ulti- ultimately when he's like reflecting on this like he has to appeal to the one who actually does know the hearts of men here um so now turn with me to the book of acts we're going to look at acts chapter one um, this is kind of uh, the text where we're going to look at the ascension. A couple of things that I want us to pay attention to as we dig in um, to this. So Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11 is where we're going to be looking here. Actually, um, excuse me, before we do that, let's look, let's look real quick. I think we have time. Um, go over to Acts chapter 10. We're going to look at that text um, that I had kind of mentioned previously. So Acts chapter 10, we're going to be looking at um, 39 through 41. So Acts chapter 10, 39 through 41. So the, the good news is being preached here. Um, verse 39, and kind of in, in the midst of this, they say, And we were witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. And then what do they mention about this, this resurrected Savior? Who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead like what is the significance when we consider like why it is that several times in the text when we could have so many like miraculous things that jesus did after the resurrection why is it so many times that we find the authors of scripture focusing on these simple things like eating and drinking with the risen savior 
Again, I believe that they had such an emphasis on this because they don't want uh, the the event itself where someone comes back from the dead is the most miraculous thing that you could imagine. It's happened once where a man has been raised from the dead in such a way that he is imperishable. We're not talking about like mere resuscitation where you bring someone back only for them to die again right like he was raised different so that is that is the most miraculous event that i can um, conceive of Um, so it's not missed on believers the miracle of the resurrection right i think oftentimes it is missed by us like the understanding of the realness of the physical resurrection and what that means, what it implies for our hope as believers, what it implies for what heaven and earth, this new heaven, new earth, must be like for us to be embodied, that if we lose sight of that, then we ultimately will lose sight of like the hope that we have. One day you will die and you will be in heaven, right? And you will be hoping for something there. You will be hoping for something there. You will be hoping for the resurrection. Like your hope is in the resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. The, your promise will be like if, if we don't live until the resurrection occurs, right? If we die and are separate from our bodies because our bodies are placed in the ground and we are with the Lord, we will be looking forward then to the promise being fulfilled. Right? This promise where they, when they speak of this hope, they speak of Him having appeared and having eat and drank with them. Right? So let's not miss that. Let's not downplay that. There is... There is this tendency that, that we should guard ourselves against, that the physical is in and of itself bad, right? Like throughout human history, there has been this like tendency when people believe in um, like more than just like materialist reality, right? Like when people believe in souls and spirits, there has been a human tendency to want to be free from the flesh. And I'm not talking about free from this sinful flesh, but to be free from it for eternity. That is not the Christian hope. The Christian hope is not to be freed from fleshly bodily existence. It is to be given true everlasting life physically embodied in a resurrection body as our Savior is embodied even now. He did not, and this is what we're going to see as we kind of flip to this next passage of text. So go to Acts chapter 1 with me. Here's what I want us to get as we look into this. Pay clear attention to the text and the way that the authors of Scripture have given us this this event. 
He does not dematerialize. He does not become something other. He does not shed off his flesh. None of those things. Jesus is physically embodied in a spiritually empowered body today. Today. So when they had come, verse 6 of chapter 1 of the book of Acts. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, now pay attention to the words that are used here. Verse 9, pay attention. And when he had said these things, as they were what? Looking on. Their, their eyes are fixed on Jesus. Right? So this occurred when? While they were looking on. This, I'll be, be, they do not look away and then 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 look back and Jesus is gone we get no wording of he vanished like we're like it be very specific in the way that you see this they are looking on as this takes place right so the hope is is that this event that they're witnessing to they laid eyes on it they were not themselves confused about what took place Right? Like, they weren't like standing around like, where did Jesus just go? Like, we saw him here a second ago and now he's just vanished. Like, did he slip away? Did he like, where's he hiding out at? Like, they are eyes fixed on him as this takes place. Right? So they're looking on. He was lifted up. Right? So what did they see happen? What did they see happen? They're looking. What happens? You can read the text. He's lifted up, right? A cloud and a cloud took him out of their sight. So he's lifted up, eyes fixed. I see him. I see him. This is the same Jesus. There's no like wording here of like him dematerializing and vanishing. A cloud had to come cover him so that I do not see him, right? Like the reason that I don't see his physical body right there is because a cloud has covered him, right? They could have said, and he vanished. They could have said, and he disappeared. They could have said, and he was no longer in the flesh. The wording of this text here is very specific. Because what we ought to know is the way that Jesus was with them, walking, talking, feeding them, eating with them. This Jesus was raised up and a cloud took him. Right? What about it? What about it? What about it? And and they are like, could you imagine? You walk out, you're talking about like, isn't that so? Like the discussion that they're having, right? Like the people of Israel are looking for an earthly kingdom. They're yeah, they're looking for a king. You 
you killed him, we thought. But now we see him indestructible, right? Like now this hope is filled within us that like we could rush and take Rome now. No one's killing him again. So they have this, like they continue in this thought, like the world is ours now, right? That's the, that's the mindset. Like that's, that's the hope has been this kingdom to be established and the king was killed. But the king has been raised. So they're looking for this hope. He does not squash that hope. I want to like, let's back up just a, just a minute. So verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he doesn't say, no, y'all have a totally misunderstood view of the Old Testament. And like that whole kingdom thing is just, just, it's, forget that right he doesn't say that he said to them it's not for you to know (laughs) so like he's not like being disparaging towards this idea of the kingdom coming he says it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father is fixing his own authority but you what what does he say Where's this, where's the, what's the shift or transition? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Like, you, the Spirit will come. You will be my witnesses, ushering in this kingdom. Right? He doesn't put away the kingdom talk here. But he's shifting their minds. Like, understand this. This this spiritual work that's going on here is kingdom work, is conquering earth. Like, God is working in His people to renew and restore. So every aspect of your life as a believer, are you living with that kingdom hope? Right? When you go to your workplaces, is that a part of the focus? When you go to your schools, when you go to, your, to be with your family, when you talk about your dreams and your hopes of the future, how do, how do they, what do they focus on? What do they sit on? How are they founded? What is the foundation of those things? And um, so he tells them, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're going to go to these places. And when he had said these things, so as they're having this conversation, looking at him about this work that's going to take place, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. He's not a different in a different way of existence now. This is specifically why we get this type of wording, so that we know that it was a cloud that held that that kept them from seeing him. Them and verse ten, while they were gazing into heaven. He went, uh, as he went, behold, two men stood beside them um, in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? And like this that they say next ought to like cement this reality. This Jesus who was taken up from you 
into heaven who we we know because the wording in verse 9 that they were looking and beholding as this took place this Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in what in the same way as you saw him go into heaven this same physical Jesus that you walked with, that you were literally talking to as this was taking place. He's coming. He will return. And He's going to return in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. And from here, we see in the book of Acts this playing out of the Spirit being given to the church and the church going out in the face of adversity, in the face of like, um, pers- like persecution. We see this playing out of the early church as the Spirit has come and the kingdom of God is beginning to stretch across Judea, Samaria, ultimately like for them we would likely be considered an end of the earth right like we're on the other side and the gospel is what it's been like god has been faithful in this work jesus sitting reigning like that the picture of him sitting at the right hand is this picture of him reigning and we get this like the like scripture is clear to us that he will reign until his adversaries are under his feet right Ultimately, he'll put death there. That's the resurrection. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we look forward to. That's the hope by which all other hopes that, that we would cling to are measured. Right? Is that one day, these feet, though renewed, will walk with Jesus. One day, like these hands, though renewed, will cling and hold to Jesus. One day these eyes, though renewed, will see him. These ears will hear his voice call my name. Will hear your voices with me worshiping him. Will see your faces in that crowd when the nations gather together to worship him. We'll see your faces. We'll hear your voices. We'll hear the voices of my family who's gone before me who loved Jesus. They will, they will see my face and have hope to see me on that day. Right? Eternity together. Living life more abundant than any life that we could hope to live here. This is like this is why when we when we think about like the, the life that we have here, that we ought to be careful in the way that we spend our time here. It's significant and important. It's not forgotten. It's not pushed aside. The lives that you change here as a believer eternally, you will walk with them. You will see them. You will know. The lives that we live with one another matter because you will know me there recalling life there Let, let's live oftentimes as believers i feel like we have this like well you like 
I'm glad that everything will be forgotten because I'm just terrible at doing this thing, right? And then we forget that we're, we're praising a lamb slain. And none of us will say on that day for what? Like, none of you will praise a lamb slain questioning why he was slain. None of us. None of us. Yet we hope for that because it gives us this, like, ability to, well, I don't have to live, I don't have to live at 100% today. I can slack off. I can coast. I can do whatever because this is going to be forgotten ultimately. The work that we do here is important, has eternal consequences. This is why when I stand here, it frightens me. It frightens me because I'm like, I'm, when I'm saying this, like I'm holding the book and I'm looking at the words and I'm saying, this is what the Lord says to us. And if he doesn't, do you know who will look him in the face on that day and say, you failed because of lack of preparation or for lack of whatever, right? What we do is important. So if you're a teacher of the word, you had better be spending time in the word. Whatever you do, do it as though you're doing it for the Lord. One day, as he was raised into heaven, he will come back in the same way. Um, we'll close. We'll close with that. Um, next week, we'll look at the history. Um, look at this from kind of the point of view of church history um, and see... Uh, how has the church viewed the resurrection? How have we come to kind of this, uh, this understanding, this shared understanding in the, in the church or understanding of um, this bodily resurrection? We'll, we'll cover that next week.